we're in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you haven't been with us, thanks for being here. We are walking through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is a book that's unique in a number of ways. Paul was on his second missionary journey, and on his journey, he ended up in a place called Philippi. You know, the book of Philippians uh, was written to the, the church there at Philippi. Philippi is where Lydia, the seller of purple, gets saved. Paul goes into prison. The Philippian jailer and his family get saved. Paul then ends up out of Philippi, and he heads to a place called Thessalonica. While Paul is at Thessalonica, he's there, as best as we can discern, about three weeks and before long, he's thrown into jail there too. So he gets out of jail. He heads to a place called Berea. And then he goes to a place called Corinth, um, at Athens in particular. And while he's there at, at, at Corinth, Paul writes back to the church at Thessalonica, which is unusual. Normally, Paul kind of finished his trip and then he writes afterwards. But this is a deal where in the process of his journey, he writes back to this church. Because he's really concerned for him. And we're going to see that this morning. And so Paul's concerned for him. And so he, he, he tells him, basically he goes through. And in, in chapter 1, he lays out a couple of things. And he talks about the idea of, look, I know you're facing tough times, but I want you to hang in there. And then when he gets to chapter 2, he reminds them that God has done something incredible. God has entrusted them with the gospel. And we've talked about how that applies to us. This morning we're in chapter 3. We're going to go through the whole chapter, so just hang in there. But um, let's start in verse 1. It'll be on the screen, or you can follow it in your Bible, either one. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, here's what he says. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that you were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it has happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, there's our phrase again, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. See that little phrase in there, no longer endure it? It's a really interesting little phrase. Here's what Paul said. He's in Athens. He's in Corinth. They're going through some tough times. And he's got his team there, Timothy and some others with him. And they're going through some really tough times. But the whole time they're there, Paul's mind goes back to the believers at Thessalonica who got saved. And Paul said, I couldn't get it out of my head. Every time I turned around, I'm thinking about how are they doing? How are they doing? How are they doing? I got to know how they're doing. I got to know how they're doing. Finally, Paul says, I get so overwhelmed by wanting to know how you're doing, I'm going to send Timothy to find out. Now, here's what's interesting. He needs Timothy there. But he said, I will stay here by myself, and I'm going to send Timothy because I got to know how they're doing. He said, I can't shake this. Notice what he also says in here. He said, I'm sending Timothy, and he tells us why to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Because what was happening in Thessalonica, Paul started preaching the gospel. They didn't like it. They threw him in prison. These people get saved. They start living for God. The people in Thessalonica don't like it. They start persecuting them. And Paul's going, I hope they can handle it. I, I mean, I was just there a short time. I hope they're strong enough to endure it. I don't know how they're doing. Maybe Timothy can go and help them. 
So he sends Timothy up there to help him and encourage him. And he tells us, notice what he said. He said, I want him to encourage you that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves are appointed to this. Uh, New American Sanders says destined. Here's, here's what Paul said. He said, look, he said, this shouldn't surprise you. That things are tough right now shouldn't shake you. You know that if you're going to be a Christian, that's part of the package. And Paul said, I'm sending Timothy to help you and, and solidify some things so that you know that. And, and, and here's what I just rabbit trail, and then I'll get back to it. Your faith will be tested. Difficult times will come. Because, see, if you're a believer, Satan doesn't want you to stand. So he is going to send stuff your way. And you go, well, you know, why didn't God just stop him? Because God knows this is part of strengthening your faith. That's why. You see, a, a, a faith that's not tested, you just don't know how it's going to last. You don't know how it's going to stand up. And Paul said, look, tough times coming, that's part of it. And when the tough times come, that's when you'll find out how strong or how deep or how rooted your faith is. That's why, by the way, Sunday is so important. That's why encouraging one another is so important. That's why reading, you don't read your Bible so you can check off your list. You read your Bible so you can get stronger because those tough times are coming. And when you're sitting in that doctor's office and that doctor walks in and he gives you bad news, you're not going to have time to call your pastor or run to your church or start to do all of the things to get your faith stronger. It's going to be what you have at that moment. And that's why it is so important. That's what Paul was worried about. He's like, you know what? They're going through tough times. I don't know how they're out. I got to find out. I got to find out. You know what, Timothy, just leave me here and you go up there and help them. Um, and so Timothy takes off, and notice what it says. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. He said, you know what? He said, I got so tired of, of the pressure of just wondering. He said, finally, I just said, that's it. Timothy, go. Just go. So Timothy treks up through Berea, up to Thessalonica, and ends up getting up there and finding out what's going on. Look at what it says next. Going on, guys. Uh, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, we also to see you. He said, Timothy came back and tells me all the neat things God's doing. And notice what he says, because this is important. This is where we're going to end up camping before the, the day's over, morning's over. Therefore, brethren, in our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning your faith. You get that? Paul said, we're here in Athens going through a really, really, really tough time. But we're more concerned about you than we are us. So I sent Timothy to go up and find out how you're doing. Timothy comes back with your story, and your story encourages us. You follow that? Because that's going to be really important today. And then notice what he goes on to say. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Um, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face 
and perfect or mature what is lacking in your faith. Paul said, we've been praying for you night and day. He said, we've been praying for you so passionately here. And he said, we can't wait to get together so that we can talk and encourage one another and build your foundation even stronger. And then he ends it with this, uh, verse uh, 11. Uh, Going on, guys. Now may God our Father himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love one towards another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Paul says, look, and this is fascinating. He says, I am praying for you earnestly. He said, I'm praying for you night and day. He said, I just continue to pray. And every time I think of you guys, he said, I'm praying for you. I want God to work. And and what's interesting is this idea of earnestly, um, it's a triple compound word. Here's what it means. Out of bounds, overflowing, superabundantly. Paul said, every time I thought of these guys, I prayed for them. He said, not just like in the morning or at night. He said, any time they came to mind, I was praying for them. I was so overwhelmed when I wanted God to encourage them and strengthen them and help them. And he said, I prayed for them and prayed for them and prayed for them. Now, Timothy comes back and I find out they're doing so well, it's encouraging to me. And Paul walks away from the passage here going, I am praying that God will continue to work in your life and continue to help you love one another and care for one another and do all this stuff. That's the passage. So let's talk about some takeaways, some things that will help us, some things that we can apply this week, and some things that I think might challenge you as, as you go about your week. Here's the first thing you see in, in chapter 3. In this passage, you see Paul with a burden for, some, for other people. In other words, so much so that Paul said, it's not about what I'm going through. It's about what they're going through. Not about Paul. Paul needs Timothy there. But Paul says, you know what? What I need is not important. It's more important that I'm burdened. I care about those people in Thessalonica. Paul said, I've got people in my world that I'm concerned about, and I'm more concerned about them than I am me. Let me challenge you here. Who's in your world that God has called you to, 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 be, a bur- to, to be burdened for? Who is it that weighs heavy on your heart? Who is it that you're saying, you know, I would really love to see them come to Christ. I would really, 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 really. And, and here's, let me tell you what's going to be easy for you to do. What's going to be easy for you to do is go, I'm, I'm really concerned about them coming to Christ. So I'm just going to go like bring them to church and then I'm done. Or I'm going to introduce them to my pastor and then I'm done. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing. I got people in my world. They've never been in this church. They never go to this church. Who I'm burdened for. I'll tell you the story at the end about how I've watched God work this week in, in a deal like that. But I've got people that are in my world that I'm trying to reach, that I'm burdened for, that I'm praying for constantly. Who's in your world that way? You see, Paul couldn't shake the Thessalonica people. Paul, it's all he could think about is how are they doing? How are they doing? I was only there for a short time. I don't know how they're doing. I know that, you know, I mean, I got thrown in prison and justice got me out and then we bailed and we went to Berea and I would just wonder how they're doing. He couldn't let it go. Who in your world is like that? Who is it that you and I are burdened for that we want to see come to Christ? See, God, that's what God's called us to do. Otherwise, we get saved and go to heaven. 
But God's put those people in your life for a reason. Some of them may be in the cubicle next to you. Some of them may be in, in, in a line, in an organization. Some of them may be sitting on a, on a bleacher next to you in a ball stand. There are people that God has put in your path. And you know who God wants to use to reach them? You. You go, oh, pastor, you don't understand. I'm like a new Christian. I don't know all this stuff. I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I don't know. And I just don't know how. How big is your God? Because see, here's what I believe. I believe if God could save you and they ask you a question, God could give you the answer before you and make you smarter than you know how to be. You really think God is going to work in their heart and your heart and have them ask you a question and then let you blow it? I mean, really? You just got to trust God here. And here's, if you don't know what else to do, here's what you do. Just love them to death. That'll go a long way, believe me. But God's brought them into your world for a reason. And we need to step back and say, who is it that God's got me burdened for? Second thing for us. We've got to make sure our foundation is solid. Okay? You know what? That's one of the things we're doing this morning. Is we're looking at our foundation for our lives and saying, okay, what do we need to shore up? Look, we're in the middle of a building thing right now. The parking lot is messy. And if it rains, it's going to be really messy. And it's inconvenient. And it's fruit basket upset for those of us that have been around for a while because you know how it is. We all had our parking space. And now we've got to find a different parking space. And you know how it is where it's like, well, I was always used to using that driveway, and now I've got to use that driveway. And, and, and it's all messed up, and it's going to get more messy, and it's going to get more. Uh, you know why we're doing all that? We're doing it because we want a solid foundation for a building. We don't want to be sitting in a building one day and watch the whole end of it collapse. We want a solid foundation. And so in order to do that, we're spending the time on the foundation. And we're tearing up. We've torn up the whole parking lot to put a foundation out there. Why? Because we want a solid foundation. God's going to do the same thing in your life. You know, when you come in here, you know, I have people <laughs> they ask me, they, their question is, okay, uh, you know, you stepped on my toes today. And I'm like, take it up with God. He's the one that stepped in your toes. I just said some stuff, all right? And if God's ringing your bell, then you answer the door. But the whole idea is, I'm not here. I didn't come here this morning to make you, uh, give you all warm and fuzzies. Because if I was doing that, I'd hand out kittens at the door. I really would. Here, here's a kitten. Be warm and fuzzy. Um, that's not why we're here. We're here sometimes to do the uncomfortable things of digging up stuff in our life and going, you know what, that's really not healthy. I need to start getting rid of that. I need to take my next step, whatever that step is for you. And I want to challenge you because I don't care how long you've been a Christian, whether it's a week or whether it's 50 years, every one of us has another step to take. Every one of us has something we need to change. We are all in a process of growing and changing. And if you have arrived and you don't think there's any more room for you to grow, then you need to go to church somewhere else. Because we we're not, none of us are there yet. We're all in a process of changing and growing, and that's why we're here. We're all in a process of, of shoring up that foundation. Because here's what's going to happen. Tough times will come. And when they come, your foundation 
is what will help get you through it. And it needs to be solid. And that's why we come, is line upon line, precept upon precept. We're working our lives, and when those tough times come, they're still tough. But we have a hope that the world doesn't have. And we have a peace that the world doesn't have. It's still a struggle, but we look at it differently than the world looks at it. And that's what we want for all of us. That's why it's so important to me when we come in here that we encourage one another, that we build one another up. Because when we walk out those doors, there's a world that wants to tear us down. And, and I am, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Christians not shooting Christians. Okay? Uh, you know, we don't need that. The world will do that for us. And it's important that we look at the foundation we have. Here's why I want to spend all the time this morning, because this is what I think the big takeaway of this chapter is this. Paul sends Timothy to... Thessalonica to hear their story. It's their story that encourages Paul, that encourages Paul's story. You follow that? What if they wouldn't have shared their story? What if they would have looked at him and said, hey, look, you know what, we're we're doing fine, just go back. They took the time to share their story. And we know from this passage that there were some things that they shared that Paul's got to go back and fix. And Paul said, when I come, we'll get some stuff straightened out. But it was their story that encouraged Paul's story. I think this is the crux of chapter 3 that we don't want to miss today. Because I'm going to ask you to do something or to consider doing something that for some of you is going to be one of the most difficult things you've ever done. I'm going to ask you to consider sharing your story. I'm going to ask you to take some of those things that are incredibly painful in your life that you have pushed aside for a long time. I'm not going to ask you to do it publicly today, so just relax, okay? Um, But I'm going to ask you to go to some of those places, some of those places that are incredibly painful, that are incredibly difficult, that were incredibly hard, and learn to tell the story. You see, this is ultimately what Christianity is about, is helping one another. And in this thing, you see this circle. You see Paul sending Timothy to hear their story, and the Thessalonians sending their story back to Paul that encourages Paul, who's now going to go and continue on with his story. Rick Warren says it this way. He says, God never wastes a hurt. But I want to add to it. God never wastes a hurt, but sometimes we do. Sometimes, because it's so painful and it's so difficult and it's so hard, we tend to push the hurt aside so we don't have to deal with it. And the sad thing about that is other people can't be helped. And the whole purpose of some of the difficulties that we go through is so that we can encourage other people who are going through those difficulties. I never would have thought years ago when we faced the flood in Holly Springs that that would ever play a role again. And then when when Clinton Dixie called and said, you know, all of a sudden now we've got people in the church who are flood experts. And you know why we were flood experts? You know why we could say, okay, you've got to do this first. You've got to get the drywall off. We've got to get the insulation out. We've got to get air moving. We've got to get the floor scrubbed. You know why we could do that? Because that's our story. 
because God took it through us years ago to be able to help other people who, have, who will go through it in the future. That's why. Some of you have some incredibly difficult stories. Percentage-wise, I would say there are, the percentages of people in this church that have lost children or grandchildren are astronomical. The stories of people, I would love to be able to say, okay, everybody that's lost a kid, stand up, and it will shock you. But I know that some of those people wouldn't want to stand up because that story is painful, and that story has a lot of hurt. And there are some people who have made it through that process. And there are some people that are in the middle of that process. And there are some people that are at the beginning of that process. We have people in here who have lost spouses. We have people in here who have struggled with some incredible health issues. Think about this for a minute. One of the things that you have watched is I have tried to be very transparent over the last two years with my relationship with Doug and losing Doug. Now, right or wrong, my being willing to be vulnerable and share the pain and the difficulty and the hardship has been encouraging to some of you, hasn't it? What if I refuse to share my story? What if I refuse to say, I'm not going to talk to anybody in the congregation about it? I'm not going to tell anybody how I'm feeling. I'm not going to say anything ever publicly about it. Who would have lost there? You and me. And if you don't think sharing that is painful, then you don't understand. And that's okay. But I was willing because I know the value that sharing my story will help you and it will help me. And that's exactly what happens in this thing. What happens? Paul says, I'm gonna, I'll be alone. Timothy, you go. They come back. They share the story. It encourages Paul. And it's a circle thing. And that's exactly the way it goes. That's the way it's supposed to work in the church. And when you see, some of you, you know how difficult it is to raise little kids. And you watch some of these other parents who are struggling. Man, come alongside. Invite them over to dinner. Help them out. Let them know there's people in their corner. Let them know that they're not this, like, three-eyed monster and, they're, and, and all the things that they're thinking are not that abnormal. You know? <clears throat> One of the things that is so much fun for me as a pastor is to watch God grow things in, in, in this church fellowship. Many of you have been incredibly open and, and vulnerable in sharing some of your stories with me. And you need to understand, I take that as a pastor as a sacred trust. Okay? And I don't want to violate that confidence. But can I tell you my frustration sometimes? My frustration sometimes is I'm sitting and listening to your story is the second I hear you start telling me your story, I think or I know of somebody in the congregation who has the exact same story. And if I could do what I wanted to do, here's what I'd do. I'd get on the phone and I'd say, hey, so-and-so, hey, could you get over here right now? I want you to hear their story. Because I know that that person can minister to you far better than I could even think of ministering to you because they have walked that road. And they have been there, and they can encourage, and they can help you. But I don't get to do that. And so while I, while I consider it incredible trust that you have shared with me your story, I'm sitting here going, I know a resource that could help you here, 
but I can't. So I have to go home and pray and say, okay, God, like, have them get in an accident together where they got to talk. Um, you know, God, somehow bring their paths together. You know, and I find myself sometimes going, I wonder how I can do it. And they went, oh, no, no, God, it needs to be you, not me. And, and, and all of that kind of thing. But I think, you know what? And here's what I wonder. I wonder sometime, when it's all said and done, how many stories that people have entrusted to me that I'm going to take to my grave knowing they could have helped so many people because we won't share our story. You want to know who I've found the most effective people for marriage counseling are? People who've been through divorce. I used to think, no, give me, give, give me a couple that's been married 50 years. No, 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 no. You know what I've learned? Give me a couple that's walked through divorced. Because they'll tell you the real story. I'll tell you the rainbow and rose, roses version. They'll tell you what divorce is really going to be like. And they have become some of the most effective people who are willing to share the pain and the difficulty and the heartache that they went through when they went through a divorce. Why? Because they were willing to say, I'll share my story. Some of the most effective people in a hospital are people who have gone through a long-term illness with a loved one. Some of the most effective people to talk to guys who have lost their wives are guys who have lost their wives. Or women who have lost their husbands or women who have lost their husbands. And I come in and I do the best I can. But honestly, your story puts you on the A team. I'm the B team. And I want to encourage you to start working towards the idea of learning to share your story. Because when you share your story, it will help you and it will help those that you're sharing it with. And I want to encourage you, because I think sometimes we miss this. And unfortunately, although God doesn't waste a hurt, although God wants to use it for his honor and glory, because it's so painful and we push it aside, we don't get to to see it used like that. And the last thing you see here is pray. Paul prays fervently for these people. Some of you don't have a prayer list, and I want to encourage you to start one. I want to take those couple of people that that are on your list, your burden for, that are in your world, and start praying for them. For those of you that have had people on your list for a very long time, don't stop praying for them. I was reminded of that this week. There's a guy that never been to church here, but he's somebody that years ago God brought into my path. Over 20 years ago. He's been on my radar for 20 years. He's been on my prayer list for 20 years. He's been on some of your radars and prayer lists for 20 years. And I know you have tried to reach him for Christ as well as I have. And we, we, we've prayed for him. And we've talked about how God's working his life and what God's doing. And da, 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 da. One, of the, one of the guys in the church called me and said, hey, I want you to know, so-and-so accepted the Lord. I said, that's awesome. He said, has he told you yet? I said, no. He said, you need to call him. And I said, no, I'm not going to call him. I said, I want him to call me. I want him to bring it up. I want to see if it's real. I want him to tell me about it. And sure enough, we were talking one day over, over something, and he said, hey, I've got to tell you what happened. And he told me about how he got saved, and he told me what happened and everything else. And this is a guy for 20 years I've been working on, uh, 20 years I've been praying for. I, I'd be honest with you, at times I was, I'd given up. I was like, okay, God, you know, I know, you, I know you, like, you can create a world in six days, but I don't know about this guy, you know, because he's just not getting it. 
Everything I keep doing, he's not getting, he's not getting, he's not getting. No, God was still at work. And God moved a Christian neighbor in next door to him who actually got to lead him to the Lord. And so what was interesting is I've been trying to get, a, get, get in touch with this guy, but my schedule had been crazy and everything. So this week I was driving by his house, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stop in and see if he's there. So I stopped in, and, and he was there, and we started talking and everything else. And he, again, he told me his story. And the most incredible thing happened is I got ready to leave. I said, look, I said, you know what? I said, I've never been able to do this with you. But I said, before I go, can we pray together? And I thought, here's a guy I have prayed for who I now get to pray with as a brother in Christ. And as soon as I said that, he reached out his hand and he grabbed my hand and he said, I love that. Don't stop praying for people. Don't stop having that ministry because you may not think it's making a difference, but some plant, some water, God gives the increase. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that you have a part in it. And I want to encourage you, don't stop praying for those people. God wants to use you. You may not believe that. God wants to use your story. God wants you to have to impact the people he's put in your world. He wants you to pray for him. You see Paul doing that for the Thessalonians. And when Paul finally sends Timothy, he comes to a point that he's so overwhelmed. He sends Timothy. Timothy goes up. Timothy goes back. The next thing you know, Paul's like, boom. You want to know who benefited from the visit that I had this week with that guy? I went there to encourage him. His story encouraged me to share my story to encourage you. But what happens if we don't tell the story? Believe it or not, again, I don't pick the hymns, I don't pick the songs. Juanita, what was the song we sang just before? I love to tell the story. In a minute, Dave's going to come up and then communion. You know what communion is? Remembering the story. Remembering the story. Share your story to encourage others. So I end this morning with this. We're reminded to show a genuine burden for people. To help others as they establish a strong, Christ-centered foundation for their life. Often, that happens when we share our story and pray for God to use our story to help them. Let's pray. Lord, we are all on this incredible journey that we call life. And Father, in that journey, we have come across good things and difficult and hard things. But Lord, they're all part of our story. And Lord, as difficult as it is to say, Lord, I, I pray that we could all come to the point that we would thank you for the story that we have. But Lord, help us to learn to share it. Help us to be willing to sometimes explore those difficult, hard things so that we can encourage and help people who are going through difficult, hard things. So Lord, use us this week. Thanks for what you have done in our lives. May you use us now to help the lives of those around us. And uh, when it is all said and done, Lord, we give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together and we're going to.